The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is John Silver, lead recruiter of The Dark Order, and you are listening to All Things Elite. to the 114th episode of Social Suplex's podcast about AEW with the proclivity for positivity. Welcome to All Things Elite. My name is Austin Sumwitz and I am the host of this lovely show. Joining with me as always is my good buddy, my good friend, Floyd Johnson Jr. My man, how you doing? I am doing well. I just got back from commentating on a wrestling show, Empire Pro Wrestling in Oklahoma City. You can find them on Twitter. Uh, they had a Twitch live stream. And you, my name on the show is Chris because when I was growing up and I made my wrestling name, it was always Chris. So I just really wanted it to, I really want, I was like, you know what? I've always wanted to use it. So I use my wrestling name. Chris when I do commentate and I am a heel commentator and I play it up Beautiful. so well and it's so fun the guy there was a guy on the show and he was wearing a kilt I called it a skirt and then my <laughs> friend was like oh it's a kilt and I was like in Scotland it's a kilt in Oklahoma it's a skirt <laughs> <laughs> that's a good line I'm very, I'm very jealous you got to do that of course Com- like commentating wrestling is my dream so big big ups to floyd though for being able to do that and a big congratulations to my co-host austin in one fell swoop he not only got a job as a sports anchor he also restored my confidence in the whole college system <laughs> Yes, I uh, I am I am I'm very happy because I just received the offer uh, to do sports anchoring work for a station up in Alpena, Michigan. So that's about a few hours away from my house. It's way more northern in Michigan, uh, but I'm very excited. Yes, uh, Floyd Floyd says. Uh, He's he told me before the show started, he's like, I know so many people who got into college and they never got to work in their field and they ended up just having to change plans. So I have I fixed that. My first on air television job is actually covering sports. It's not the case for a lot of broadcasters. So I'm, I'm very fortunate that that's the case for me. My direct boss has a degree in journalism and, you know, I don't work in journalism. (laughs) 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 It's just like it's just like everybody. I worked at a call center uh, 
uh, for a cell phone company. I won't say which one just in case I ever disparage them. Uh, I worked for a call center, uh, and you like, seriously, it was like you had a bunch of people in degrees making as much as I did, and I don't, I never even got close to one. And it was just so, it's like, I just became so jaded when it came to college because I just know so many people that had a crap ton of college debt and just ended up having to take a job, you know, whatever the job is, they just had to take a job and it was nowhere near what they wanted to do when they went to college or when they finished college. So it's like the fact that I have a friend that I can say he went to college, he actually got a job in his field. That's pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, it's, it's pretty great. And I, I like, to get a little bit more personal on that, I all the thanks in the world goes to my parents for all the help they did for that because, like, college debt-wise, I have little to if none because of them. And I they've done all the help in the world to push me towards what I want to do. They have always been supportive. They've always been thankful. Even when I had to take an extra year of college because I was an idiot and I just booked all my classes to the point where I was setting myself up to fail pretty much because I just – I wasn't talking to my advisors or doing anything because I was like, I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. Uh, they have been nothing but supportive and nothing but great to me. So big ups to them. I love them very dearly. But I'm I'm happy to say that I can firmly say that I'm starting my sports broadcasting career. It's only a matter of time before I get that uh, dream of actually calling pro wrestling. Um, so we'll Excalibur. On the road. Excalibur, you better watch <laughs> out. You better watch out, Excalibur. Uh, Austin coming for you. <laughs> yes. All the head commentators. All of them. I'm coming with all your heads. But no, um, I, I will say, though, um, as of right now, um, this doesn't affect my recording schedule with Floyd, with All, Elite, with all Things Elite. Um, if anything comes up, we will let you guys know if that is the case. But as of right now, I am still clear to continue to do this podcast. And I enjoy doing it. And it's a lot of fun. And I love talking about wrestling and this is a perfect outlet for me to do so and floyd brought me in to host this podcast with him which is still incredibly kind of him for do for him to do this i will be sticking with this still uh unless other factors get in the way which i don't believe they will still though yeah i but i have you know the first thing on the first message i sent him it was like your job your career comes first if you know i love having you on here but if you need to go i understand because Man, it's just it's like I'm I'm super proud of my friend for getting the job, you know, getting the job. I mean, I know it's not going to be your last job, but you know, to get to the next job, you got to at least have your first job, and that's awesome. Absolutely. And considering how hopefully this won't happen, but like like there was I the main reason I why I went for it was cuz I was like, man, if there's another shutdown, I don't want to just be uh, stuck at home uh, doing like grocery shopping for other people like delivery driving and stuff like that so I was like I have to like try to see if I can find something before like anything bad happens again uh, so thankfully I have security for a little while in my job security so that's that's thankful for me as well too but regardless that's enough about me I want to talk wrestling with y'all guys uh, we got a lot to talk about with all things elite um some stuff also that I've talked about a little bit before on this show, and I, I, you will know my belief on this is firm, and it'll be the first thing we talk about in our big news of the week. But before we get to that, 
I want to make sure you guys are downloading this fine show on Google or Apple Podcasts. If you listen to us on Spotify or any other platforms, give us a share with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you wish. You can also leave a rating and a review. Let us know how we're doing. And if you're so inclined, you can also leave a donation through our podcast provider, Red Circle. It would be incredibly generous if you would do such a thing. We will shout you out for sure if you do that. Simplest way to support us, though, is on social media. Give us a follow. We are at AT Elite Pod on Twitter, at Social Suplex are the guys that make this show possible. They are our podcasting network. Give them a follow and check out all their other incredible podcasts. I've recently changed my Twitter handle to be a little bit more professional because SZoomer4 is really just kind of a gamer tag name that I used for the longest time when I was in uh, middle school and high school. So my Twitter name is just my full name. It is Austin Sumowitz. S-Z-U-M-O-W-I-C-Z. Though if you still search up S-Zoomer4, my name will still pop up. So that is still fine. And Floyd is still Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. At yeah. Floyd Johnson Jr. Because you know what? You, you don't know why I picked Floyd Johnson Jr.? Not just because it was my name. And I know that's just the easy one. Oh, it's because it's your name. No, it was because I hated the idea on social media that people could get on it and say stuff mean. And it not be tied to them, so I was like, oh, you yeah. know what? No, re- no re- repercussions of it being traced yeah. down to you. Yeah, you and are. I and I say, you know what? If I'm ever a hassle on social media, you know what? I'm gonna own it, <laughs> and I have been a couple times. There are a couple times that I've been like a legit asshole on social media, and I didn't want to delete it. I wanted to be under my name because you know what? It did happen, and I want to own it. I just didn't want to ever be one of those guys that hid under a fake name and wasn't themselves. I'm like, hey, I'm Floyd Johnson Jr., and these are my thoughts, you know? even if Accountability? I, what what the yeah. hell is this? Yeah, I, di- I didn't like it. I don't like the people that get on and just like, their name is like uh, Allen042791111. And they have like the basic like... Yeah, yeah, and they could be like, you're a whore and i'm like i mean i don't even like people you'll see like celebrities reply to that and i understand you know people have this natural urge to defend myself but i'm not defending i'm never going to defend myself against no one yeah and to me alan zero four blah 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 is no one they don't they they don't exist because they don't they're so scared of their thoughts they won't even put their name on it there you go. I mean, no reason to let the coward trolls. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like you're so scared of your thoughts, you won't even put your name on it. So I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna even dignify it with a reply or anything like that. Say it with your chest. Yep. Say it with your chest. Hey, hey, you don't like me? Say you don't like me. I. You know what? You won't be the first person to not to like me. I'm pretty sure you won't be the last. But at least you had a sack and you said something. You know. There you go. Yeah. But anyways, with all that promotion out of the way, we got to talk about, <clears throat> excuse me, I have to clear my throat for this because this is of high importance. The big news of the week and is the reported signings that AEW has made recently, one of which is, uh, of course, huge. The other which I have been denying, like unbelievably so. I have denied it to the hills. Brian Danielson and CM Punk. It, the reports have been flying around recently. Of course, the rumors were prevailing that Daniel Bryan was signing and that he would be debuting at the AEW Dynamite Grand Slam show in Queens, New York. 
And as for CM Punk, reports were going around that he was in talks with AEW and that WWE officials were thinking, oh, yeah, he's going to sign with AEW. There was no word if he put pen to paper. Reports are saying now, like I saw a Cultaholic report on this, that he's 100% for AEW. And Brian Danielson, unbelievably awesome. I'm all for it. I believe it, and I believe the rumors on this, or I'm inclined to believe the rumors on this because it's been very reputable with everything. It's been reputable with CM Punk, too. But the issue is, I refuse to believe it because I'm a mark for this man, and I have only just recently accepted that he's never coming back to wrestling. So, anyways, Floyd can give his thoughts, and then I'll wrap up my thoughts on Punk, too, because I'm the biggest Punk fan he probably knows. I'll start with the now-deceased Daniel Ryan. Uh, R.I.P. Daniel Ryan. Long live the American Dragon. Ryan Danielson. Yes, I am so, 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 times infinity pumped that this is going to happen because Daniel Bryan has been the darling of the indies he has been the darling of the WWE he has worked in writing and production right he is the full package the complete package when it comes to a wrestler I want to see that in AEW where he actually has some say in his booking cutting his home promos and all that how that ends up coming together. It's just like he's going to bring so much to it. It's like sometimes you're like, well, we brought in this guy. He's going to help people in the back. We brought in this guy. He's really good in the ring. We brought in this guy. Really, really good in the mic. We brought this guy. He's good at production and all that stuff. You're literally getting all of that in one guy. One guy. Daniel Bryan. Bryan Danielson. He has done it all. All in professional wrestling. So, I don't know if he's going to be on Dynamite every week. I don't know where he's going to be. But when he's there, he's going to make everything better. More crisp. Because he's going to bring the complete package of his 20-us years experience to it. And he's going to bring that big time things hints from the big time production value which is wwe i have no problem with AEW's production i want to be first to say this but everything can always improve i i would the rumor is september 22nd and flushing oh my god i couldn't imagine uh anything bigger than that that means everyone that keeps saying i hope he's at all out he's probably not going to be at all out if the rumors are true which is he's going to debut in new york So, you know, don't think about all out. The next one is CM Punk. Mm -hmm. I am a huge CM Punk fan. Uh, I had taken a long break. Well, I wouldn't call it a break. I was poor and couldn't go to WrestleMania for a lot of a long time. And I finally, it's like, I'm going back to WrestleMania. I'm going to WrestleMania 30. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Nothing's going to stop me from going to WrestleMania 30, right? Well, uh, the reason I wanted to go to WrestleMania 30 because my favorite wrestler at the time was CM Punk. Yeah, about that. So excited about CM Punk. Going to WrestleMania, he's going to do his thing. The Rock was back in Hollywood and had to worry about him ruining shit anymore. CM Punk was finally going to get his due. Two months before. Three months before WrestleMania, or right after the Royal Rumble that year, oh, yeah. he he Royal bounced. 
<laughs> He's like, I'm out. I ain't wrestling no more. Night after Royal Rumble, after he got chokeslammed through a table by Kane being pulled out early because he got a concussion. He's like, I ain't doing this no more. And that broke my heart. And I went through in the last, what, we're at 37? We're like seven, eight years. Yeah, seven years. Yeah, I've been through so many emotions with CM Punk. I've been like heartbroken because he left. And then he went to MMA, and I got hopeful again because I'm like, at least he's going to be on MMA. Maybe he'll get this out of his system and come back to wrestling. He does not do that well in MMA, even though I was rooting for him. Then I'm like, okay, now he's going back to wrestling. Then he cuts a whole – he started saying a whole bunch of stuff like, you know, downplaying wrestling. And I was like – and it broke my heart. He had broke my heart, and I was like really angry at CM Punk. But I was like, man, girl. And then I got a chance to meet CM Punk, and he was awesome. And I was like, okay, I love you again. And then it was just like, then I heard the rumors of TK, and I was happy. And I've said on the show, CM Punk is going to be in AEW. I said it, right? I was, I'm still right. I was just wrong on the time, right? Yeah, okay. Now, I, I truly, the reason I don't, the reason I believe this time is there's a few things. One, every other time he's come out and in some way he's flat out denied it. He is not. Actually, he's done the opposite of denying it. He has leaned into it with his tweets and uh, his Instagram stories. His Instagram stories uh, from Michael Jordan's The Last Ride. Uh, you know, you know, and it's just like he's going to have one last ride with AEW. It just seems like he as the itch again and again take everything that CM Bunk has been for the last 20 years and you take that the full knowledge the full desire full uh you know production the promos that he has built inside of him you know you think the pipe bomb how many pipe bombs does he have left you know and he gets to a place where they're not really afraid to let you drop them. I mean, TK and Cody are not afraid to go at Vince. They do it all the fucking time. So to see what CM Punk can do in this environment, this collective agreement, one of the, I'm not saying this, this is what everyone says, one of the most cohesive locker rooms in wrestling, to see what CM Punk can do what is like will blow my mind and for it to happen one of those three shows in chicago right it would to me for me personally it would be me getting my wrestlemania moment that i didn't get from cm punk when i went to that first one and third that's just me personally it, this will like like to me wipe the slate clean and it's like i'm such a cm punk mark to the point where I don't even think I've told you this, Austin. Round WrestleMania 30, I was going to get a Pepsi tattoo. <laughs> and because I'm such a CM Punk mark, and my friend actually talked me out of it, and then he walked away. So I'm really glad for that friend that talked me out of getting a Pepsi tattoo, which I would have had for the last eight years for basically no reason. So, yeah, but... I truly believe it's going to happen now, and it's, yeah, 
Uh, I've heard some people say, you know, it's you know, bringing them in is going to push the talent down. Me and you, Austin, we come from sports backgrounds, sports fans backgrounds, and you know what's never a problem? Too much talent. Nope. But I'll, I'll, I'll wrap my thoughts on it with a big little bow on top because I've made it no secret that CM Punk is my favorite wrestler of all time. When I got into wrestling, I got in at 2009. I hadn't been to my first actual live wrestling show besides a live event. I had not been to my first ever live televised wrestling show until CM Punk had already left. I went to a Raw, I want to say in like 2015 or 16, before the Joe Louis Arena was torn down. I saw it there. Uh, I don't remember exactly what year it was, but Punk was already gone. But to put that in perspective, I have not seen this man wrestle live. And he's my favorite wrestler of all time. When he left in 2014, I was heartbroken, but I completely understood why he left because, man, that was some BS. There was a lot of things going on with that. But his pipe bomb promo in 2011 changed the way I viewed wrestling so hard. And yes, it didn't really lead to much because the summer punk was not as big of a deal as it was. And even though his 434-day title reign was incredibly uh, record-breaking, I suppose, in that era... He may have made it in a pay-per-view maybe like four or five times with that title, which is absurd and ridiculous considering that John Laurinaitis and John Cena main evented a pay-per-view over him, and he was actually wrestling Daniel Bryan in that same pay-per-view. But whatever, I'll let it go because it's a long year, long time ago. I have gone through the five stages of grief many times with this man because there has been many times when rumors have come up when shows are coming to Chicago of CM Punk returning. And I get my hopes up and I watch the show, even though I'm not really looking forward to anything else on the show. I just want to see CM Punk. He doesn't show up and then it kind of taints the rest of the show for me, even if it's a good show. And because I'm going to be at All Out, I really don't want to taint that show because I'm already excited for All Out regardless of if CM Punk shows up or not. So I don't want to have that in the back of my mind at all times while I'm watching AEW, because I have a lot better of a relationship with AEW than I do with WWE, because I love the talent that they have, I've loved the stories that they put on, that a CM Punk return would, like, if it didn't happen, it wouldn't ruin the show for me if I wasn't always thinking about it. And only in the last three years have I come to accept the fact that, you know what, he probably won't ever come back to wrestling. I was almost certain of it. And now they're flying around again. And this time, it's more than ever. And I've denied it to the heavens like you can call me donald trump the day after elections i am denying every single report that has come out from factual sources from anybody all my friends telling me so i've denied it to the heavens saying it's never happening he will never come back to wrestling he will never come back into a wrestling ring he will stay with his wife he will stay with aj he'll do movies he'll possibly tweet about wrestling he'll go to hockey games that's it but now it's becoming a lot more of a situation with that. So I will continue to deny it just for my own sanity. Because if I'm thinking about this, I will be thinking about it all hours of the day. And it will control my life. I will bring my CM Punk jacket to All Out. That is no question. I'll, I will wear it to the show, actually, since everyone's fucking not shutting up about it. But if he shows up, and this is a massive it, this is a massive if, because I still don't believe it. If he shows up, I will cry. Because I've never seen this man wrestle live. He will be in my favorite wrestling company at this point in time. And it'll be seven years later since he left wrestling. And I truly thought he'd never come back. 
Everyone said, oh, everyone will come back. Bret Hart came back. How will CM Punk not come back? I still believed it. I I took CM Punk at his words. And even if he comes back, I'm not going to be like, you said never, but then. No, I won't even be like that. I won't care. I'll be too filled with tears and emotions seeing, quite honestly, one of my idols. Not to the point that I get a Pepsi tattoo. I'm not on that level, but regardless, uh, this man is my idol. I've met him three times. He's been nothing but cool to me. He's so incredibly nice to to me, to Floyd, to fans of his that aren't like screaming in his face for a picture or being rude or whatnot. I know you either love him or you hate him. If you don't like CM Punk, that's totally fine. I totally understand why. Um, if he shows up, I will cry. It's that simple. And I will not say anything more on it. If people keep telling me that he's coming back, I will deny it even more. Right. More likely just to piss you off because it's funny, but I just can't have it in the back of my head. I will scream in such a high-pitched tone that you doubt that I am human, and you probably won't even hear it. I'm just like, because where I'm going to be, you're going to see me, and you're just yep. going to see this big facial expression of happiness. Uh, not many people in wrestling could challenge my love for Cody, right? You know how much I love that man. Oh, CM yeah. Punk does. Very much so. Very much so. He's, and everyone's going to me. It's like, yeah. oh, bro, Living Colors following AEW on, 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 on Twitter. Whoa, it's like, how can you not think it's happening? It's like, I refuse. Dude. I can't. Yeah. I can't. I can't go through these emotions again. If it happens, I will burst into tears and I will be unbelievably happy. It will be the greatest thing I ever experienced live at a wrestling show. Even if it happens at Dynamite, which I will not be at in that Chicago, or if it happens on Rampage for some reason, I will still cry because I still didn't ever believe this man would come back. Even if I'm not there. Sydney told me, like, if he shows up at one of those shows that we're not at and then we go to All Out already knowing that CM Punk's back, I'm going to be pissed. I get that. I won't care because CM Punk is back. So I don't care what happens from this point on. My one concern, one concern, because I have to bring up the concerns because, you know, that's what the show is for. One concern is I would love him to come back to Dynamite or Rampage because if it is the night... That Hangman finally puts the belt on. I don't want it overshadowed by CM Punk. I don't I, want that. I, I get that. I, I get don't, that. I don't want that moment overshadowed by CM Punk. So that's why I prefer Diamond Dynamite or Rampage, because it's just they've done such a good job of protecting their world titles, and every world title change has been such a moment. Here's in, here's what I would say, like. If the title change happens with Kenny with Adam Page and he celebrates and then eventually like he uh, he leaves or whatnot and he celebrates amongst the fans and he leaves and then Kenny Omega screaming like this is bull crap I want to rematch this is awful this is stupid I hate this and then CM Punk comes out because then it puts like CM Punk with Kenny instead of CM Punk with Hangman so. That happening, I could I could 100% believe. Even if he shows up, I don't think it'll overshadow uh, Hangman's. I, I mean, like, more people will be talking about it just because it's it's unbelievable. But I don't think it will take away anything. But that's just me because I'm a positive viewing person of that. Though I'm sure other people would disagree with that. I've heard it the other way, and it's just like, I that's... And it was a concern I didn't think about until somebody brought it up. That's my one concern. Uh, but, yeah, like I said, sports... No such thing as too much talent. You know, you bring in the every talent that you have available and then you figure it out. 
It's like they deal with Miro. They didn't know what to do with Miro when they uh they didn't know what to do with Miro when they brought him in, and he had to be the video game guy for a while until they found the spot. And it's just you know that how it works. These two, oh my God, Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson. I'm like I'm a WWE fan. Brian Danielson, his actual real name, uh, and uh, CM Punk. They will figure out a way, and anything they do will be successful. I like I'm one of those times. This is one of those times I've actually shut off my brain. I don't want to think about how it's going to be done. I just want to let it happen and enjoy it. And I will deny it, and then when it does happen, or if it happens, uh, I I will burst into tears. Yeah, it it just feels unfortunately this is not AEW's doing because they've done nothing, they've said nothing, they've done nothing. It's just like, dude, if he doesn't show up, if he doesn't show up. It's like, like AEW already broke my heart once this week. They would break my heart again. I and we will get to how they broke my heart later. I yes. think Austin might be able to guess how they broke my heart. <laughs> I have a pretty inkling uh, suspicion with it. But, yeah, I mean, that's why I'm denying it, again, because I just don't want to have uh, it ruin the show for me or whatnot. But regardless, we've talked enough about these re- with about these reported signings. Uh, we can get into Fighter Fest Night 2 on this week's episode of Dynamite. We opened up with the first chapter of The Five Labors of Jericho. All of these, uh, you knew a guy that was at the show, right? Didn't you know a guy that you knew a guy that was at the show, right? I do know a guy who was on the show. He showed up at the uh, he showed up at the end of the show, actually. No, no, a guy that was on the well, that was at the show, at the show. You knew a guy that was at the show, right? Was it Mister You? Yes, it was me, live from it Dallas, Texas. It was live from Dallas, Texas. Your boy Floyd Johnson was in the building. My brother was with me. I, I got to tell you some funny anecdotes about that after we sure cover thing. the show. <laughs> sure thing. Yeah. But these are the hoops that uh, MJF is making Chris Jericho jump through in order to get a match with him in singles competition. First chapter is Chris Jericho versus Sean Spears, where Sean Spears can use a chair as a weapon, but Chris Jericho can't. This was really good. Uh, MJF hopped on commentary, just ripping everyone to shreds. Of course, Jr., Tony Schiavone, anybody he could just like get a jab at, as well as of course Chris Jericho. Uh, this match was a really fun opener. Of course, uh, Chris Jericho finding interesting ways to get out of the situation of just getting hit repeatedly by a chair by Sean Spears, and then catching him at the end with him uh, being running into the chair after uh, Chris Jericho dodges it, dodges it, and then. Very swiftly hitting the Judas effect to get the win was was incredible. But regardless, um, this was a fun opener. The match, I feel, honestly, was overshadowed by the announcement of what the second labor would be because MJF immediately was furious, got on commentary, got a mic, sorry. He got a microphone and said, you'll be going up next week in a no-DQ match with a man who's been to prison, a man who's been shot at. It would be a no-disqualification match against the most sadistic, twisted, crimi- criminal human being ever to step foot in the ring, Nick fucking Gage. I lost my mind because I have never thought in my days of being a wrestling fan that Nick Gage would ever be on national television. He just seemed like the antithesis of national television wrestling. 
If it was ECW back in the 90s, he'd 100% be there. I mean, so many people have compared him to New Jack. It's just like nowadays with wrestling and wrestling being on TV. There, no way. I thought never in my days would I ever see that. But there he freaking was. That was one of the most shocking things I'd ever seen. Because I never pictured Nick Gage being anywhere outside of G- like indie wrestling and GCW and all those types of shows. Like I literally saw this man at All Out Weekend 2019 face off against Effie at Two Cup Stuff, get five light tubes smashed over his freaking head. And it just leads me to wonder in this new no DQ match that Jericho's having next week, what are they going to let this man get away with? Because I'm not even concerned with like, like Jericho and like how, what he can take or yada yada yada. I'm concerned with the network because as much as the TNT has been loving having AEW, I mean it literally has been the number one show on cable two weeks in two weeks in a row. Did another one million number this week as well. But regardless of that, even TNT, I think, seeing Nick Gage doing the things he does, if they let him go full Nick Gage, would be like, eh, let's pump the brakes a little bit. There's still kids watching this show. I don't know what levels they'll let Nick Gage go to. They just said it's an ODQ match. They didn't say it was an unsanctioned lights-out match, of course, so it, they're not going to go too insane. But regardless, I, I'm like in awe that this is happening and I legit cannot wait to see what the hell happens next week. This is the biggest, like to me, this is like the best use of Nick Gage. Like, I know, I don't think he'll ever be fully signed with AEW. I don't no, think, no, 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 no. I don't think there's a spot, but once or twice a year, bring him in just to fuck somebody up. Oh my god. This is amazing. Um the pop when that happened. Okay, so I'm I know the Gage thing, but I want to say this on the match. The match with Chris Jericho and Sean Spears was be- way better than it had any right to be, and I felt like taking I told you Sean Spears is a good wrestler victory lap. Cuz that dude was great. I mean, even the false finish that you knew wasn't going to happen, they sold it well with the the, the strict chair to the head, and then he hit the C4, who he's finished everybody with, and Jericho kicked out. That was like an amazing uh, false finish. All right, so, but yeah, Sean Spears did great in that match. Uh, MJF adding the step that nobody else can interfere on behalf of M- uh, on Jericho. I thought that added a- another level of difficulty to these uh, five, uh, what's it called, uh, trials. or Yes, the five, the five labors, labors of Jericho. Jer- five labors of Jericho. All right, but Nick Gage, oh, my God, what did uh, Dark Side of the Ring do for him? Because the pop he got when they said his, when MJF said his name, I, I promise you, before Dark Side of the Ring, about 15 people in that building knew who Nick Cage was. Oh, Nick Cage, yeah. yeah. And it's like Dark Side of the Ring, as soon as he said he robbed they he robbed a bank with no mask on, they started popping. He didn't even have to say the name. And then he said, Nick freaking Gage. And then he came out, and it was Nick Gage just like, dude just looks violent and... He's the king. He's the king of 
Death Wrestling. I don't even like Deathmatch Wrestling. I like Nick Gage. I like. I don't even like him. And it was funny. And he just came up and he just like how he like for some people that love Deathmatch Wrestling, this is an absolute dream match. I imagine. I'm like. I don't, I'm not, you know, like I said, I'm not a deathmatch guy, so I don't know where this falls on, like, the idea of a real dream match, but I think for a lot of people, uh, you know, uh, deathmatch wrestling, Chris Jericho, him crossing uh, over, and then Nick Gage on the 22nd, I, I, I said I was going to read this on the show, because I think this was literally the perfect, uh, perfect tweet. He said, yeah, I just want everyone to know me and MJF ain't boys. Most of the time, I smack a dude like him around. But sometimes in the streets, money talks. And I'll definitely set a large amount of money to make Chris Jericho bleed. And if the price is right, I'll end his career. Just being honest. Sorry, bud. MDK. Dude, he stayed. He stayed, like, completely in character. He didn't sell out. Dude, I'm broke. <laughs> I like money, so I'll, okay. money, and I'll anybody for a long <laughs> money. And it's just it fits his character and who he is perfectly well. It's a dude that understands his fans, his character, his image better than anybody. I can, you know, and for that, I will keep tipping, uh, tipping my hat to him because you know, Nick Gage has doesn't have to eat anything but Nick Gage. And that tweet just summed up everything about this match in one. And I love it. I love this whole segment. What a way to start Dynamite. Yeah, this kicked off the show like insanely well. And we moved on quickly to singles competition between the elite hunter Frankie Kazarian and Doc Gallows of the Good Brothers. Now, I love Frankie. I love him so dearly. I think him being the elite hunter after the SCU breakup has been great, especially with CD being off TV, possibly fully retired. We don't know yet with that officially. Um, and he's probably just teasing it for when he eventually comes back, if that's the case. Regardless, I'm not saying anything. Uh, this match was was okay, I think, honestly. I think this match was okay. Obviously, it was going to have an issue following up the mega announcement of Nick Gage being on Dynamite next week at Fight for the Fallen. But it was an okay match, I felt like. I still love um, Frankie Kazarian. And Doc Gallows is great, of course. I mean, like, they're right there as a member of the Straight Edge Society. How can I hate this man? But anyway. I was going to uh, say, was, I just want to say, this: the match was not a Dynamite match. It really wasn't. It's a dark elevation match at best. Yes, and well, because there was so much that happened after the match, regardless, because it was so. That's what made it a dynamite match, (laughs) you know, the the extra. Everything that happened (laughs) afterwards made it worthy of being on dynamite because quickly after Frankie Kazarian got power bombed and got pinned, the Good Brothers continued to beat up on him, and then Kenny Omega and Don Callis come out, start going after him, giving him crap for calling himself the Elite Hunter, and it's like you messed with the Elite, so now you're in trouble. The elite hunters become the elite hunted. They say that they're going to do to him what they are going to do to Hangman next week. Hangman's music hits. Massive pop from the Texas crowd. And he comes out. And Don Cows is like, I know cowboys aren't bright, but uh, there's four of us and one of you. And then as he starts coming to just swing on those members of the elite in the, in the ring, 
Uh, the Dark Order also runs out to help out, and that leads into the preview of what we're going to get next week at Fight for the Fallen, where we see the Elite versus Hangman and the Dark Order to see if these two guys, the, the team of the Dark Order, and if Hangman continues to keep their title matches going in to All Out. And, yeah. Hangman so, so, so over. It's just unbelievable how this man has been over how they say it every time but we just like i i don't know how you can't light up every time you hear his music and then the crowd just erupts yes you like and you're like oh you got the the certain people that are like oh they only you build wwe guys they well, yeah <laughs> and also too i gotta say too because i've seen this flying around too uh people daniel bryan was not made by wwe they didn't want the yes movement to become a thing it became a thing because the fans demanded it so much and wwe basically relented because they had no other choice and the crowd would have probably thrown out like all different kinds of fruits and tomatoes if freaking the main event of wrestlemania was randy orton versus batista i guarantee you they would and they got rid of daniel bryan as quickly as they could after that yes and my guys he was Dan- he was Brian Danielson longer than he was Daniel Bryan. So let's cool the Jets on that. If you like WWE, that's fine, but you don't got to be a shill like that and just like regurgitate everything that comes uh, out of their uh, mouth. And again, real sports world. You know, that's where we come from. We're real sports fans. Player switch teams, brother. That I mean, it just happens. You know, and dude. It happens. It's like <laughs> like. Let it go. <laughs> you can you can remember Michael Jordan for the longest as a Chicago Bull. Let's not forget he played for the Wizards, bro. Yeah, he played for the Wizards, you know. And it's just, yeah, you know, you can put a rose colored tint on whatever you want, it, like. But you know, players go to other teams. And like, yeah, Shaq was in Phoenix. You know, Shaq was Shaq in. Shaq was in so many teams, dude. Yeah, like, there's literally a picture of Shaq. As a rainbow jersey with all the teams that he was on. Yeah, so it's just like you look at the greats. They play Peyton Manning finished with the Broncos. You know, it's like I could do this. Tom Brady just won a Super Bowl with the Buccaneers. The whole idea that you stay in one place your whole career is such an antiquated notion. Or that that or that uh, where you started is where you yeah uh, are yeah only tied yeah. to yes. You should never be tied down to yeah. where you work. I'm just like like. like Loyal, and it's funny because it's such a one-way loyalty. You know what I mean? Hundred percent. It's such a one-way loyalty. WWE didn't want him to go anywhere, so they cleared him. You know, and say, "Oh, your contract's there." But for years, they wouldn't let him wrestle, even though most people thought he could wrestle. And it's and just also, like I'm not saying WWE is not the bad guy. They're a company. Let sure. me just make it clear. They're just a company. And it's like people go work for other companies all the time. He fulfilled his contractual obligation. And, hey, look, if you want to play <sighs> if devil's advocate, too, like y'all picked up Shinsuke Nakamura, who was a freaking hero in Japan when he was in New Japan Pro Wrestling. But am I going to go around being like New Japan made Shinsuke, bloody, 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 blah. No, Shinsuke can go wherever the hell he wants. Yeah. He seems very happy and content with being in WWE. But you Oscar. can't just be like, Daniel Bryan was made by WWE. I hope they bury him and they hope they remove all uh, history of him, da 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 Like, New Japan ain't doing that. Yeah, so Oscar. Oscar was Kana long before she was Oscar. Oh, yeah. Ric Flair was a WCW 
guy. It didn't stop WWE from using them. You know, I could go through the list of people that WWE, the company, was built on buying all the stars from the major promotions around the country. Literally, there was no such thing as a WWF guy for years. So, chill the fuck out. Uh, I'm like, I hate to say that like that because it's just that's what you need to do. People go work other places. I mean, I imagine someday an AEW person is going to bounce for WWE. They're gonna, the money's going to be right. And you know what I'm going to say? I wish you the best on your future endeavors. Yep. That's simply it. That's, that's truly simply it. And we can move on from that really quickly. Do you want to finish your thought of what you were saying with Hangman, though? Yeah, he's just uh, the, the the AEW homegrown guy. I know he was in New Japan, but he lost all the time. He was in ROH, but he kind of lost all the time. This is the company that got behind him, said he's the guy. He main invented their second pay-per-view ever. Uh, and so he they've been behind him for a very long time. Uh, it was um, it, they main evented for a very long time, and then they kind of saw a way wasn't working, and they kind of pivoted with Hangman, and you know the, the depressed and the millennial cowboy and the drinking. It's like they have hit on every move they made with him, even tagging him with Hangman. I mean, uh, Kenny, starting that storyline a year ago. Like, mm-hmm. this match that happens in September is 16 months in the making? Yeah, it's about that. Just think about that. That's, man, that's the shit I love. They 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 can try to uh they try to edit it down to a, uh like a package. It's got to be like 3 minutes long cuz it's that much story involved in it. Mhm. So no, I don't know. I just I, I just love how over Hangman is. It's proud. You you see a baby boy growing up and it's just <laughs> like and you're like you were hoping you were hoping that people took to him like this. But they've even destroyed my expectations at this point. Yeah. But we can move on real quick. Uh there was a short little segment uh with the machine Brian Cage. Uh, being interviewed after Team Taz made the announcement that there's going to be a celebration for the brand new FTW champion Ricky Starks next week in Charlotte, and Brian Cage was like, "Hey, that works out because I love celebrations." Letting him know, letting everyone know he'll be there. So, I think we can uh, save that for next week when we talk fight fight for the fallen. Since, um, I mean, I think we'll be able to have a little bit more of a conversation on that storyline uh, moving from that point on. Uh, and plus, there's just so much that happened on this show, and that's happening uh, next week that I want to get through it all. We got another appearance of Wheeler Yuta with Orange Cassidy uh, flanking him from the side. And he faced off against Darby Allen in this match, which was not a match that I thought I would see actually recently. I have a strong feeling that Wheeler Yuta is going to get signed. I don't know why. I just think they they feel something for him. And even though this match was, was babyface versus babyface, and we truly don't have a full reason as to why Orange Cassidy and the best friends have taken Yuta under their wing, uh, other than the fact that it's, like, it's kind of like a protege situation. But regardless of the fact, this match between Yuta and Darby were two fast, high-flying guys going at it and killing it. But I got to say, man, like as much as I love Darby Allen and I love uh, 
this and I enjoyed this match a lot. All I cared about was Orange Cassidy facing off with Sting, putting his hands in his pocket, giving him those vicious kicks that he always does, and then Sting and then Darby, Sting and Orange Cassidy moving back, exchanging kicks together, and then Sting does the most reluctant chest slam, like banging his chest as reluctantly as he can. I was crying. It was so funny. I love that spot. I, anybody who's a fan of Sting long term, seeing this must have, must have been like, what the fuck am I watching? I, I was a little stinger, definitely. I lost. I, I lost it. It was amazing. Uh, it's just like, and it was separate from the match. It didn't really result in the ending. So it was in the perfect spot. Just a little comedy segment going on in the match. It was so good. And then I lost it when he beat the chest. I didn't, like, the next minute and a half after that, I didn't see it until I got home. Because I was on the ground laughing at that moment. And I just, like, and people were standing up. It was just crazy that sting would do this and it was like dude it's like the more i love sting before i love him like twice as much now because that's just it's just a cool moment and he doesn't take himself too seriously and i love that yeah no kidding and it's just it's just one of those moments i think it's just like you never thought you would see this in wrestling and yet you do darby allen got the win uh and then was eventually uh uh, like kind of pushed to the side for this because he kind of just appeared in this match. This match was mainly in for Orange Cassidy and and Yuta getting more experience and more time on TV as well because the blade snuck out and hit Orange Cassidy with those brass knuckles, uh, knocking him straight out, uh, and that'll lead into uh, next week, I'm sure. But regardless, strong match, I think, with a lot of fast movements and uh, just a nice little fun match uh, with a really funny moment right in the middle of it. Um, and Darby still looks incredible, as always. We then had the first title defense for AEW Women's World Champion Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, versus the native beast Nyla Rose, flanked by Vicky Guerrero. Um, I think this was okay. I it, think was, it was all right. Britt was over as oh, as over as pretty much as over as Hangman. She might have been the it, they're one in one a as far as how over someone can be in a show. Yes, uh, it, it, I don't. You can pick who you want to be one in one a, but uh, in between the commercial before the show, uh, J- Justin Roberts is like, who do you think is going to win the title match coming up? Uh, DMD, and the chant just breaks out, and the whole thing is chanting. He's like, well, there's no really real reason to ask the question. Justin Roberts is amazing at crowd control. If you ever go to a show, well, no kidding, he literally stopped that one fan. Yeah. Like he was holding him back when the guy yeah. tried to come in and punch Jericho. That was Justin. Yeah, but I'm just saying, when in between the commercials, like the stuff you don't hear on TV, he's just so good at entertaining, picking out signs, making everything a good time. It's just, it's it's pretty. It's like understated but like in dallas i just really realized how kind of good he was at it and it was like he kind of got everybody chanting dmd in that dmd without, mode without telling them to without telling them to and then she comes out and there i mean if you notice crowds immediately hot for that that came from uh um that came from uh justin roberts setting him up in the commercials yeah, so, I mean, big ups to him for doing that, for sure. Yeah. But, regardless, um, 
I thought this match was okay. I didn't think it was anything outstanding. It was clunky uh, I, as hell. It was clunky. Uh, many times it was pretty slow. There was points where it seemed like Nyla got it gassed maybe one or two times. Regardless of the fact, like, and also the match, there was no agency behind it because no one thought Nyla was taking that title off of Brit. She was way too over. She was way too hot. It was her first title defense. No one thought that was happening. So with a combination of effects, the match really didn't have much room to succeed. It still could succeed, but it didn't have a lot of room to. And with it being pretty clunky and pretty slow, it was the weakest part of the show. And again, like, it's not a great look for Brit with it being her first title defense. But I mean, like, the, the fact that just, the like, there was very few people she could have she could have actually faced that would at least seem legitimate. And it just like Nyla's given us way too many good performances too to think that she's an outlier for this or to compare her to like somebody like because I saw a couple Nia Jax compa- comparisons and I was like no 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 go back and watch Nyla Rose versus Riho like and shut up because that's not the case at all Nyla can go but they they did a lot it was a very ambitious match layout it was and they tried to do some things that you know I just didn't work it happens in wrestling sometimes the crowd stayed hot and they ended hot so i'm not gonna really you know be like oh my god they killed the no the crowd stayed hot when she the the, the last the last few minutes of it actually the last like two minutes of the match i think were 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 good enough to kind of make it okay yeah and then when she's about to put in uh she's about to put in it and and just everybody's on their feet and they're just like yelling and then she wins and they like the winner is dr Britt baker dm'd into just crushed i was just like I was like, hey, good first defense. Was it the best match? No, but it was a good first defense. Yeah, and it's honestly, dude, it's like with how hot she still is, regardless with the crowd, like whoever she faces next, like people, they don't care who she faces. They just want to see her defend that title because people are so excited to see Brit. She needs a strong face. She does need a strong uh, face because, yeah, she leans way more heel than baby face. Yeah, so she needs a strong face. The fact that this was a heel versus heel match. Or a heel versus tweener. Yeah, heel versus tweener match. It didn't really work. And, you know, I I mean, there's a lot of things I could point to, but it was the first match. Uh, She beat a former champion, a person she had never beat. The story was there. Sometimes the story outweighs the execution, and this is one of those times. Yes. We then had a small little press conference between FTR and Santana and Ortiz building up to their match that they'll have on Fight for the Fallen next week. And that's how they broke my heart. Yeah. I don't have time to go. Uh, I've been saying basically since FTR showed up that the my one of my other matches other than the Young Bucks was Proud and Powerful. And I just like, I was like, wherever it is, I'm going to be there. Yeah, give me more than six days' notice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, I'd love to make it. If, dude, if I had two weeks' notice, I'd rent a car and be driving to North Carolina. You don't understand. That's how much I want to be at that match. But you literally gave me no notice. Yep. There's not a lot I can do with that. It, it it literally breaks my heart that I'm not going to be there. It's going to be like, I'm going to watch it, and I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to root for my boys more than anything because like, they're all four of my boys, and it's just like the all four people that I, I love and respect in this business, 
it's just oh my god and the press conference oh my god does this not show you how important tag team wrestling is to AEW this is not for the titles no but it's two of their best teams going at it yeah yeah and it's just like this is not for the titles but they're building this up like it's a tag team title match yeah so I am very excited. I thought I thought we weren't going to get this. I I was thought maybe August fourth was in my head for Jacksonville, and I was like, you know, I could kind of make that work. But then they did in North Carolina, FTR's home. It just makes sense. Yeah, it really makes sense. North Carolina makes sense. And if I would have thought about it for more than you know ten seconds of part their location, I would have just guessed it. But yeah, I am. This press conference was everything. I, I love Santana on the mic. I could kind of cut him off on the show, but you can watch the whole thing on YouTube. And it's just like, we grew up similar, but not the same. And Santana was like, nah, we didn't grow up similar. This is my mother at 15 years old. This is my mother fighting to get us a clean living, you know? And it's like, they're like, you were poor. As my, my as my dad used to say, this is I never thought I would end up saying this on a wrestling thing, but he always said your mom was poor, I was po. We couldn't afford the O and R. And if Mike Santana, Santana of Ron Palmer, basically said that the FTR, you were poor, we were po. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like you don't understand it. We we are not the same. And I just thought. It was so emotion. There was so much emotion and realness in that. And FTR is like, dude, we're just going to whip your ass. You know, it's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. You you were poorer than me, whatever. But we're going to beat you up next week. And that's what it comes down to. I just, this segment was magic to me. I don't care. I don't know if y'all hear the emotion coming out of me yeah. when I'm talking about this tag team match. Because this is what I've been waiting on it's ever since proud and powerful or la as lax was running impact and ftr was or as the revival was winning every title that the wwe had to offer i've wanted to see this match i don't think it's gonna disappoint yeah we then had the graceness of the face of the latinos andrade el idolo come out and before they even got started with his promo he had an announcement and a surprise. Tony Giovanni gets told from his assistant, and the announcement was there is a new executive consultant to Andrade El Idolo, and it's none other than Chavo Guerrero. Should, that was a lovely surprise. Should we be sad? Should we be sad for Andrade when his executive consultant got a uh, ten times bigger pop than he did? Maybe, but you know what? Having Chavo around, I don't think can't can't hurt you. Dude, it, it, you just you announced a Guerrero in Texas. You were gonna get a big ass pop. Ooh, Chavo. Uh, yes, and that was so awesome that it was oh, yeah. there. And you know, uh, we all understand what he's there for. I love Andrade. I do. Uh, some of the one of the best matches I've ever seen live included Andrade in it. But even when he's speaking English, I don't understand him most of the time. Yes. I can put it. Chavo is so much more of a better fit. And he said, like, he built up AEW at the beginning of his little promo, too. And then was like, with all respect to everyone in the locker room who's incredible, 
there's not enough talent, not as much talent as the man standing right next to me, Chavo. Chavo said, and uh, in in between those ropes, I don't doubt it. It's just his English is going to get better, but he got a way to go. Yes, but having Chavo definitely helps, and it's great to see him in AEW for sure. After Chavo showed up, we had Death Triangle in its entirety show up. Pac, Pac and Pac yeah, Pac and that was a huge pop because we didn't expect Pac and Ray Phoenix to come out, so no, that no, was no, no, crazy. No. And honestly, them being there made it even better because uh, Death Triangle shows up, and Pac said like they hide from no one after uh, Andrade was talking last week about wanting to find Death Triangle. Andrade points to himself being elite, and listen, you guys are talented. I love Chavo saying. You guys are talented, but your waists aren't shiny enough. That's a lovely way to say, just like a funny, creative way to say, y'all don't have any titles. So you want to change that? Listen to Andrade. And Penta and Ray were very much singled out for this, being like, why do you work for Pac? And he's like, he just, Andrade just set out like a boss like move right there. He's like, nah, nah, nah. Y'all work for Andrade Alidolo now. Just like set it. And Pac was like, he was the first to speak on it, saying like, no, 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 we're family. Ray Phoenix and Penta both got on mics too. Penta, uh, before he got to speak, Phoenix saying they were the real face of the Latinos. And then Alex Abrahentas, of course, told everyone Penta says, which I love too that the crowd chanted Penta says along with Alex. That needs to be a thing. Like, that needs to be a thing. Oh, 100%. Oh, I think that's going to be a thing. Yes. He said, why would we want to join a group with you when you're not even on our level? Death Triangle then quickly rolled up to try to face off against uh, Andrade. Uh, officials separated them, made sure that didn't happen. Uh, yes, I'm, I'm all for this. Um, and if people aren't 100% certain on Andrade right now, I say give them time. I think Andrade will win a lot of people over. And having Chavo there for a lot more better enunciating English... No disrespect. It's not his first language. But having Chavo will definitely help at least bridge that gap and have people a lot more willing to see Andrade uh, in promos in circumstances like that. Yeah, I just want to let everybody know. Andrade is a star, and he's going to be a star. Mike's statements uh, were basically just what I heard in the crowd and what I experienced. I couldn't understand him a lot of times, and it led to what chance? And it was just like, you know, with a person trying, when it seems like his character is going to be a lot character based now, you really need to be able to get your thoughts across in a way everyone understands. So yes. it, it just seems like he's a lot. He he doesn't wrestle a lot, so right now, so it looks like it's going to be a lot built on character, so we really got to understand you. And we did. We pieced it together, and then Chavo cleaned it up a little bit. Hey, you know, work with Mexicans should stick together is basically what he was saying, and, you know, leave that uh, leave that white boy over there. And, you know, they, they weren't feeling it, and it's going to be fun, because literally, Andrade versus Ray Phoenix, sign me up. Andrade versus Penta, Sign me up. Andrade versus Pac. Sign me up. Or Pac is the correct pronunciation. Sign me up for any of those three matches. They will be amazing matches. Yes. We then had two little backstage segments. First was 
Cajun with uh, Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy talking about how next week they'll be taking on Angelico and Private Party of the Hardy family office, basically saying they're going to get even with them because of what they did to Marco Stunt, which I believe they did on uh, Dark Elevation, I think. Or was it just Dark? Uh, Dark. It was just Dark. It was just Dark. That's what I thought. It was just Dark. So they were going to get revenge uh, for what they did to Marco, and they were going to do that next week. So there was that. And then we had Alex Marvez with QT Marshall and The Factory. QT said he's going to apologize to Tony Schiavone after he dumped his protein shake on his head. So there's that. No, he said uh, apology would happen. Apology would happen. Yeah. yeah, so I feel like he's not going to be the one he expects to apologize. No, 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 no. And I, I just love Tony just being like, you know what? I, it's like he's like caught off guard. It's like, oh, I, I appreciate that. I, it's like I, th- that segment could be a lot of fun, and it'll be interesting to see if anyone tries to save Tony during that part. In the Queen City of Charlotte, North Carolina. Oh, yeah. So after this was freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy. Facing off against the blade, and that was in part of what happened earlier in the in the in the show with the blade hitting that uh, knuckle duster or brass knuckles into Orange Cassidy's face. This match I felt like was a fun match. I enjoy everything that I've seen with Orange Cassidy, though I think at this point right now he's kind of drifting. He's kind of just like moving around wherever he can. And while this little bit was um, still entertaining, uh, it's it's not as Orange Cassidy, I think, isn't on like as fire of a momentum push as he was back during the pandemic times. Regardless of the fact, though, he's over as hell. Um, I I also got to say, too, when the bunny threw uh, the brass knuckles into the ring, she nearly threw them into the ring and then straight out of the ring because they bounced off the ropes and then landed right in front of uh, Blade. So they nearly missed that completely. Uh, thankfully, it did not happen. But Orange Cassidy was still able to... Uh, uh, get the win after uh, the Blade put him on. Orange Cassidy then quickly hit the orange punch, got the win, and then afterwards took those brass knuckles and hit him again with the orange punch just for good measure. Uh, this was all right. I like a like nice little mini feud. And you, you're right. He's in a holding pattern, but that's kind of how you got to be. In wrestling, you're either winning or you're losing. You know, there's sure, yeah. again, like, it's it's nothing against like it's nothing against it. He's still on TV, which is great, and I think he'll he'll get more to do. And I think him having uh, stuff to do with Yuta is giving him a possible something to do. But yeah, like I mean, like you can't you can't not say that he hasn't dampered off a bit from his massive hot streak that he was having during the pandemic time. But regardless of the fact, uh, this was a nice little like mini feud match before the main event match. But after that was the main event of the show, the IWGP United States Championship match being defended in a Texas death match. John Moxley versus the Murderhawk monster Lance Archer. Now, we had said the week prior that we were seeing, that we were inclining that this was going to be New Japan style rules of Texas death match where you had to win by pinfall and then uh win with the uh, 10 count, like winning but like a last man standing match. No, it was just like a last man standing match. It was, it was, a, a- it was a AEW Texas death match. It was a- 10 count or submission. 10 count or submission, yes. They made it their own. They didn't go and just do uh, New Japan's uh, version, which is what we thought. Considering it, 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 it's, I mean, technically, 
you know, it's wrestling. You don't want to like to use the word real, but it's the real version is three count and then stay out on the 10. That's the real yes. version. But the thing is, a wrestling, you know, performance art, you paint with your own brush. And AEW's sure. version is what we saw, and it was amazing. Yes, this match was crazy freaking good. These guys got vicious. Both of them, like, at one point, stabbed each other with a fork, of all things. There was so many, so many vicious spots in this. Uh, my God, dude, like, the... Just the barbed wire tables that John Moxley went through. He got ripped to shreds by those by those barbed wire planks. Like he was ripped up. And these guys both did insane things. Moxley uh had that uh double chair, like just slammed onto the edges of the chairs, like right on the heads of them, and just that was vicious. And boy, Lance Archer took a ton too in this match, but Regardless of the fact, what I didn't, what I think a lot of people weren't necessarily uh, thinking was that Lance Archer would beat Moxley for the title. He regained his IWGP United States Championship, and we also got to say earlier in the show, we saw Hikuleu was in the freaking crowd of Bullet Club fame. He was there, and he got into the ring to face off against Lance Archer. And they announced that they would be facing each other next week on Dynamite. Oh my god. Like, dude, this is getting me closer to the to the dream I'm having of seeing the Tongas back uh, doing stuff with the Elite, back be, uh, and them being on AEW. Dude, if I see Tama Tonga and Tonga Loa on AEW, I might scream. I love those dudes so much. Seeing Hikaleu made me so happy. I got to meet them at a Ring of Honor uh, New Japan War of the Worlds show. Uh, he was super cool, too. Dude, I'm, like, so freaking hyped for this. I just, like, seeing... Seeing... Uh, like, we've we've already gotten Bullet Club representation with uh, Kenta being on Dynamite, of course. But, we're like, we're getting close to Tamatanga and Tangaloa, which is what I truly want. I'm sure a lot more people would be, like... Jay White, and I totally get that, and I also want to see Jay White. I mean, he was on Impact recently, so, like, meh. But, I want to see Tamatanga and Tangaloa back on Dine. I'm back doing stuff with the Elite. I just want to see it so bad. But this was a hell of a closer. Um, the rest of the show... Ain't um, nobody realer than Gorilla. If I hear that theme yes. ever played, I uh, hear the the beat, and then a boom, boom from the gunshots, I will go, I will go crazy. Because... I got unfinished business. I know everybody else has probably let this go, but Bullet Club, oh, you know, the OG Bullet Club versus the Elite, I still need to happen. Yeah, dude, I was going to say, like, just you get a full-on freaking firing squad reunion. Yeah, like straight five on five. Give me Jay White. Give me Tonga Loa. Give me Tama Tonga. Give me Hikaleo. And then, shit, give me Kenta. Against the uh, five member of the elite, let's do it elimination style. Oh, dude, that'd be insane! And if the roles were switched for firing squad, were baby faces, dude, that'd be nuts too. Regardless, this show to me was like a two moment show. It was the it was the main event, and it was the arrival of Nick Gage. Those two moments were so crazy huge. 
that like it like the the rest of the show even Chava showing up which I loved and that that was probably my favorite segment outside of MJF bringing in Nick Gage was the uh, Andrade and Death Triangle with Chava Guerrero that was my fa- my other favorite segment besides Nick Gage showing up but besides those three moments the rest of Dynamite was kind of middle of the road but those two moments like holy shit dude they brought him up and again this show once again did a million viewers and was the number one show on cable for two weeks in a row now. So even yeah. in this show that despite some massive moments, you could argue was a bit of a middling show, still did a number. Still did a big number. Oh, absolutely. And the whole talk of Daniel Bryan and CM Punk going forward is only gonna increase it. It's only gonna increase the excitement. Like I like I look at next week when we're we're gonna talk about it in a second. I consider it a pay per view quality show, you know, with you know without the world title. But it's just the big numbers. Was it Britt Baker? Uh, the highest rating again, you know. It was just, and this was like the first week that they didn't have a big major sporting event to go up against, and people are finding it that it is. You know, people are gonna tune in. So this is amazing right now. AEW is so hot right now. I was uh telling a friend that um I I went to the mall and uh I went to the mall and I went to Lids and I was just kind of messing around until my wife got off work and this I come in with my Cody shirt in, he talks, he's like, Yeah, I like AEW, but I haven't been watching it lately. CM Punk and Daniel Bryan, I'm going to start watching it. This dude, like in the five minute conversation we had, that's what I heard. You didn't know, he didn't watch it. He's about to start watching it. That's the whole goal of all of this. And yeah, I'm looking forward to what they do. Yeah, it's going to be insane if that's the case. And again, I I will deny CM Punk until I see it happen in front of my very own eyes. But if everything that they're saying is true, AEW could be like in position to do insane things. But with all of that out of the way, we'll quickly go to the Fight for the Fallen preview for next week's Dynamite. With everything that they've announced so far, of course, we get the Elite versus Hangman Page and the Dark Order in 5-on-5 elimination styles. If Hangman and the Dark Order lose, both the Dark Order and Hangman lose their title opportunities against the Elite. We get the IWGP US title being defended. Lance's first defense against Hikileu. So so hyped for that. The five labors of Jericho Chapter 2. Nick fucking Gage versus not just Chris Jericho, I must add. He said he's bringing the Painmaker to face Nick Gage. So we get the Painmaker, Chris Jericho. We're also getting Santana and Ortiz versus FTR. Two of the best tag teams out there right now going up. This show. Three three of those four matches are legit main events. No kidding. I think Lance Archer and Hikaleo will probably start the show. But but the other three matches, you could literally main event any of them. Yeah, no, it's 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 crazy to me, like how these last three shows have had like massive matches that were announced that you could put on pay per view. That's why they have their like old school, like back when Fight for the Fallen and Fighter Fest were technically pay per views because they didn't have Dynamite yet. 
like these shows, they make sure they still give these Fight for the Fallen and Fighter Fest shows big matches, like big matches. Yeah, and I, I'm sure we can expect some big things too. Besides the Daniel Bryan rumors too, some big things announced too when we get the Grand Slam show in Queens. Uh, but yeah, Dynamite's Dynamite and AEW just what they've what they've been announcing and what's been rumored. They have been just rolling right now, and things could get things could get ha- like crazy hairy, but. Uh, with that, we don't really have any other news, news or headlines. Like, unless... like our news and notes would have been Daniel Bryan and CM Punk. So that's literally it. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think we don't really have any other headlines, and if they are, they're not as big as the possibility of CM Punk and Brian Danielson. But yeah. I think that'll wrap it up for this episode of All Things Elite. Yeah, that's all I got. Uh, yeah. Um. I. Um. Yeah. Um. Were you gonna say anything? I don't know. Nah, I'll just I'm just gonna wrap us up big, real quick and let you take us home. But okay. I'll I will wrap this uh, episode up by saying thank you guys so much for for listening, for sharing, for doing all the things you do. We really appreciate you sticking around with us. If you enjoy the show, download it on Google or Apple Podcasts. If you listen to us on Spotify or any other podcasting platforms, share us with whoever you wish. Really means the world. Tweet us out if you want. Be sure to tag us on Twitter as well. We'll get to that very soon. Ratings and reviews are always appreciated. You can leave a donation through Red Circle. On Twitter, we are at ATElitePod. At Social Suplex, they are our podcasting network that make this show possible. Check out all their other podcasts. You won't be disappointed. I am now at Austin Sumowitz on Twitter. Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. And I will let my good friend take us home for this episode of All Things Elite. Thank you, guys. All right. Wrestling super exciting tonight. Big result from the GCW show. Make sure you check that out. Uh, AEW is, of course, heating up. But also, WWE with the return of John Cena. And if you haven't heard uh, Roman Reigns' promo from Friday Night SmackDown, please listen to it. It was hilarious. And it just seems like everybody's ramping up the product to be what's their best. So make sure you're watching all the wrestling that you can stand and supporting everybody, buying the shirts, just support wrestling. I mean, fans are back. This is the wrestling we love. And if you can, if you're not totally against it, I'm not trying to force, but if you have it and you don't mind getting it, Go ahead and get vaccinated. I'm not trying to force anybody to do anything that will. I'm just talking about the people that have, but have been just kind of putting it off. Go ahead and get vaccinated so you can uh, get it clear because I don't want this thing to come back. I don't want another shutdown. That would suck. And yeah, that's all I got to say. I just want you to know to support wrestling. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. And I will end you as I always end you. Whether you are at home, work, or school, always do your best to be elite.